This is the Pink Floyd Fellas, featuring your fellas Pete and PJ, leading you through the journey of the world's most popular progenitors of progressive psychedelic rock, Pink Floyd. PJ, was that a, was that a, was that your um, <clears throat> excuse me, your Indian accented Siri saying that or something? Did um, you get an AI program to record that? I don't it, know. Just like the psychedelic, the way psychedelic is pronounced makes it sound like a computer to me. Um, you know that is a great question, Pete. Um, did you accidentally find an AI bot on Fiverr and hire them to record our? Oh man. The Terminator is real. Yeah, they might have ripped me off. I don't know. I sure hope not. Um, <laughs> yeah, that five dollars is supposed to go to a human. God damn it. Yeah, I thought it was a real guy, not some robot amassing be, wealth. Yeah. yeah. Um. Damn. Should we credit whoever that is? Or oh, <laughs> no. if I can find their name real quick, then maybe. <laughs> That's okay. Thanks for the the brand new intro. We were trying to premiere it on our new, uh, or on our uh, first episode, but. Unfortunately, the timing didn't work out. Here's the thing, Pete. I don't want to fuck Turns around out anymore. India's in a different time zone. Oh, yeah. So they... It's in like a five-week different time zone, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you know, and they got it done on India time, whatever that means, is what he said. Not my words. I think you're... I think that's getting close to racism, PJ. I didn't say it. They said it's it. At a, it's at a minimum offensive. I didn't say it. I don't even know what it means. Whatever you say. Um, let's see. Nope, can't find his name. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, he called me Dr. PJ Willett. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is an AI bot, I think. Um, oh, let's see. Orders. Who did I order it from? Thank you very much. Oh, oh fuck. I'm almost there. Um... Alpha Light Pro. Thank you. That's an AI. Yeah, bot. this sounds like a this sounds like a bot for sure. God man. damn it! This isn't good. Damn. All right. Well, thanks to off. the AI bot Alpha Robot Pro or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Uh, <clears throat> for the for the brand new. <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus Christ! For the brand new intro. Uh, and welcome to the Pink Floyd Pellas. It is. I'm Pete. And I'm PJ. And it is. You know what, PJ? Woohoo! This is our very first uh, live episode in the Pink Floyd era. We've done we've done a few in the past, a few talking about yeah. live albums, but uh, this one, you know, uh, listeners, uh, listeners will listeners will be beware. expecting this. Yeah, <laughs> listeners beware, and also listeners be expecting uh, us to be doing the first half of this live, and then the second half we're going to return to the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, where PJ and I are both going to record separately our thoughts and review. <laughs> Fully separately our thoughts and review of the album Oma Gumma. Um And then we're just going to kind of put them together out there and see what you guys think. Yeah, I know. I know we're a dynamic duo, but sometimes, sometimes you just have to break down that group that works so yeah. well. You have to break it down into its individual parts, see what's there, and then kind of shrug and be like, whatever, fucking put it out. I think they might have been booing at Umagumma. Let's see. Let's mention it oh, again. Okay. okay, so we're today we're talking about the album Umagumma. Oh, oh they yeah, don't like it. That, 
But what about PJ and I are going to record our parts later individually? <laughs> okay, yeah. So definitively, it's the album that they're not a fan of. Yeah, they're Very intrigued by yeah. our uh, <laughs> yeah, recording. Intrigued by, they are intrigued by that. Nice. Well, PJ, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Welcome to the show, my friend, Peter. Yeah. Or Pete. We just... Sorry. Okay, <laughs> either, I, I guess either way, but who are you, my... Uh, high school math teacher. Did he, did they call you Peter? Well, no. I mean, yes, because I didn't really start going by Pete till later in life. But I guess the the joke. Um, uh, let me break this down for all the okay. listeners. The joke was kind of like so. Anyone with a nickname like PJ, you actually might know what I'm talking about here. Anyone with mm. a nickname. You're always going to just get called that regular old standard name by your teacher when they call your name from that rule sheet because it's going to be, you know, last name redacted, Paul Raymond Jr. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how they're going to call roll for you. And you'll go, "Um, excuse me, it's supposed to be PJ. And they'll write that down, but then also forget like once every couple of months to do it correctly. Oh, they love that you explained the joke. (laughs) Yeah. That yeah, audiences love over-explained jokes. I would like to say I did meet you while you were still going by Peter. Um, so that's true. Yeah, you knew me as that, and then you, just like a good ally, should seamlessly transition to my new preferred name. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, yeah, you really yeah. did, PJ. You're kind of an example for yeah all those. I don't dead name you anymore. There. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. It took it took a while, but it happened. And now I'm pretty much fully fully dropped the R. Ooh. Good. No more hard R on that Pete. Yeah, we're man, we're treading into a lot of dangerous waters today. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're just saying stuff, but you don't know what they mean. I don't know what it means. That's fine. Um <laughs> who is that? Was that Woody? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> oh, they were a little bit offended, but kind of excited. At yeah. The same time. It was really interesting. I mean, if you saw uh, Woody from Toy Story just walking around New York, you'd be excited, but also you <laughs> yeah. probably wouldn't go up to him. Yeah, you did sound a lot like Woody from Toy Story. That's true. How great is it? Yeah, how great is it that Chet Hanks does the Woody voice in like all the video games and stuff? Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I love that that guy's getting work. I like that it's basically, um, it's like when you're playing Toy Story three, the video game, of course. Right. Yeah. Out on PC. Yeah. Now it's basically like uh, Jesse Pinkman, uh, just like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yo, yeah. bitch. And then he says, <laughs> "It's pronounced Buzz." And then he goes, "Bitch." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tim Allen still does all the buzz voices in yeah. every piece of property. Yeah. He, That guy, unfortunately, can't get any work these days. It's <laughs> true. Because of the uh, woke Hollywood cancel culture. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is pretty great. You know, my, the last flight I went on, I, I went on a trip recently, and the person mm-hmm. next to me on the plane had their Switch out, and they were playing. They played all, all three Toy Story games on that flight. It was pretty dope. That is pretty dope. I was, I was real jealous of them. I'm like, God, that looks so much fun. Um, it looks like uh, so much fun. And then I pulled out my PC and started playing the old Tarzan game just to show off a little bit. Yeah. I do remember the Toy Story 2 game for Game Boy Color being the best fucking video game I've ever played in my life. Wow. It was really good. What was good. so great about it? Jesse? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have a crush on that, babe. Well, I just get really turned on by the voice of Joan Cusack in general. 
Um, is that I was about to ask? Is that junkies out here? And then yeah. Bonnie hunts the the Bo Peep, right? Oh, is I don't Bonnie know about that. No, no, no. I'm thinking of The Incredibles. No, because that's also not it. Bonnie Hunt. It's another time for IMDb, baby. Um, you know they call it. It's Internet Movie Data Baby. Oh, Data Baby. <laughs> Data Baby, you the baby. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Is it better? No, nah, it's better to go Toy Story and then go Bonnie Hunt. I or, think and so. And then go Incredibles. I think well, just going Bonnie, because it, it's probably not Bonnie Hunt at all, but it seems like it should be. Um, Let's see. She was in a movie I watched on a plane recently, speaking of that. I watched The Green Whoa, Mile on it? a plane, which also features know. Tom Hanks. Incredible. Um, What I've movie never was I that. watching? Oh. Annie Potts does Bo Peep. Right. Um, so I guess I don't actually know what that's from. So who am I thinking of? Do you ever watch something Story three. on your phone on a plane and you like kind of catch people looking at it? Like, what are they watching? Uh, no, but I spend every flight where someone's watching something. Like if it's in the seat uh, one aisle up and to the left, and over, I spend yeah. every single flight watching their entire movie with the sound off. Like while I'm just oh. listening to a podcast or music or something, mm-hmm. I just watch their whole movie. And I do feel sometimes like I'm worried that they'll realize that I'm just watching their movie. So I I was on a plane a couple of days Jessie ago. Jesse is Joan Cusack. However, she Bonnie Hunt is in Toy Story Four. Is what well, I've who learned. Who does she play? I don't know. I'm. Um, um, <laughs> I forgot Wallace Shawn played the dinosaur. That's funny. That's yeah, he funny. can't stop talking about Vietnam. <laughs> Holy Hunter. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. You know what? For all the Bonnie people y- Punt- yelling at me right now, I'm going to go ahead and say that Bonnie Hunt and Holly Hunter are close enough that I, I'm... I, you know, I'm not embarrassed by it. Um, she plays Dolly in Toy Story 4, which I, I've not seen Toy Story 4, so... Who the fuck is Dolly? I don't know. Probably a doll. Um, oh, I was about to say that I think Toy Story 4 is the best Toy Story. I've never seen it. Um, oh, I recognize this character, but I don't remember anything about her being in the movie, so... Okay. Um... But I was watching the movie Hail Caesar, a Coen Brothers film, on a plane, and it is the first time I've ever sat next to a child on a plane, and I was praying the whole time there's no nudity, because um, I would feel like a fucking creep. Like you don't already they take that off movies in the. Plane? I was watching it on my iPad. I had downloaded oh, oh, it from got Netflix. It, got it, got yeah, um, but then the whole flight, I could see that she was basically just watching the movie with me. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, I was like, this is not a movie you would enjoy, kid. It's about Hollywood in the fucking 20s and 30s. Yeah. There was, I forget, um, was there nudity? There was not. It's PG-13. Oh, thank yeah. goodness. I know. Um, so I didn't get so, a boner in front of a child, which is good. Yeah, that's, well, <laughs> that's okay. I um, said it's good. I didn't know what it meant, Peter. <laughs> I don't even know what it uh, means. Oh, what do you think? <laughs> God damn it. I don't remember what I was saying anymore. It's my, my brain's all shot to hell these days. Look, I'm drunk, I'm high, I'm I'm here, and I'm queer, so let's do this, bitch. All right, PJ. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, my catchphrase always gets a reaction from the crowd. Uh, let's go ahead and, uh, well, a couple things to take care of. Um, yeah. First of all, a couple just... Um, well, so first, there was a conversation a little bit ago about mm-hmm. what is my favorite guitar solo? And I said, mm-hmm. I can't think of any off the top of my head, so I just said, let it be like a bitch. Yeah. And then I thought about it some more and also came up with more 
kind of bad answers. So I don't think I know PJ, but I have been thinking about it a lot, but it's also like, I think I'd have to listen to basically my entire iTunes to land on one for sure. Mm -hmm. I think I I have one. I just don't know. Cause like a song, like 25 or six to four came up the other day. And I was like, this has really great guitar, but like the solo is good. But some of my favorite parts are like just the kind of interstitial things. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like a couple really great solos on Steely Dan songs, but I don't know if they're my favorite. Like I'd have to you do know, a lot of listening. Twenty five or six to four to has maybe the best horn part of any song because yeah, it's, it's really like great. twenty horns. It's, well, it's twenty five horns, six guitars, and then four dudes playing it all. Exactly. That's the song. Yeah. yeah. Which they should have just named their band. Twenty five girls, six or four cups. <laughs> six to four cups. I should have yeah. said. My bad. <laughs> God, I remember in junior high when that was all that I, no one, everyone couldn't stop talking about. No one, everyone couldn't stop talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. PJ, thank God it's Friday tomorrow. Am I right? <laughs> oh, well, these people, these people aren't working for the weekend. Oh, they love Fridays <laughs> or hate them. They hate Fridays. I think they hate them. Yeah. Or they, they it's just the love opposite the opposite of Garfield. Week. They want it to last forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anyway, and then The best part about that song is that you always expect them to hit that like last little note at the top of that run and they never do. Anyway, so PJ, the other day I went record shopping for the first time in a very long time. Oh, yeah? I I think we've talked about it on the show, but I still own a record player and all my records, but I just, they're in storage right now. I haven't really been into vinyl lately. Mm-hmm. But went record shopping and picked up a couple of records to do with our old um, shows. So I guess in order, okay. I got the Beach Boys Love You. Oh! <gasps> I was just listening to that album today, and I thought about how nice it is that I have it on on vinyl. Nice. So, oh, wait. I only grabbed the one. I thought I grabbed both. Sorry. Be right back again. Okay, yeah, which I found in a Portland, foggy old Portland town record store for like Mm -hmm. $8 in really good condition, which I couldn't believe because I thought this was like a cult classic album now, especially among, you know, the bearded hipsters. When I got mine, it was like mint condition for like 15 bucks. Mm -hmm. I was really amazed. So, yeah, it's a pretty great one. I love the texturing. It's so good. Where it's like, so good. It's like a matte cover to kind of get the. What do you call it? The um, kind of quilted thing, you know, yeah. across. Like What's a... really strange about the sleeve, like the two Brian thing on the back is really nice. There's a picture of Brian and it's like um, two Brian whom we love with all our hearts. It's really sweet. But then the other side is just a bunch of photos from a concert from their Sweet 16 New Year's Eve concert and party, which, like, who gives a shit? And what does that have to do with I Love You? You know, like, as an album, yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's like they literally just didn't know what to put in it anymore. Oh, for like, sure that's what it was. What do we even do with this? There's no art direction. Like, we'll just do whatever we want. We'll just do some boring shit. They should have put the lyrics on, though, because the lyrics are good on this album. Mona. Especially that one song. Come, yeah. <laughs> come, come, come to me. 
Especially that one song, Ding Dang. Yeah. Ding Dang. How's about an eight o'clock dinner? How's about a nine o'clock movie? Uh, it's a good song. What's also extremely strange is that the album or the song titles are not in order on the back. They're just random, hmm. which is really confusing. Yeah. It goes Roller Skate and Child, which is number one. All oh. Betty's Nice, which is not number two. Airplane, which is the last song. Or no, the second to last song. Love is a Woman, which is the last song. Johnny Carson, which is somewhere on side one. Yeah, anyway, they're just completely out of order. I was going to say, when you said uh, Roller Skating Child first, I was like, maybe they ranked their favorite songs. But then you went into oh, the, like, the bad part then, of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. It's so, a pretty good album overall. But There's only one bad song on it, which is true. the last one. I forget. I just said it, but I forget the name of it already. Okay, and then the other album that I found for like $5 still in the plastic from our Great lost episode of the Rolling Stone studs. I got a copy of Undercover Baby. And <laughs> the reason that I got it, by the way, so first of all, the art is actually kind of cool, especially for a mid 80s Rolling Stones. Y- oh, yeah. Fucking blows. <laughs> Just the album <laughs> cover really as bad. like kind of annoyingly sexist as it is a little bit, but all the stickers themselves are really cool. Yeah. Sorry. All the actual stickers are cool. Um, and they're all actually stuck on, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then the uh, oh, <laughs> so if people don't know, that was a real dad up. laugh there, pal. Yeah, you can look it up. But uh, so the cover is like a naked lady, and then they have her parts covered with these stickers. Mm-hmm. And then the back is her butt bending over, and they have the Rolling Stones logo stickered over her butt crack. Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> which is legitimately pretty funny. Although I think I don't really want to take the plastic off because it's got some stickers on it. But the Rolling Stones tongue appears to be on the plastic. So I think you'd be able to see her butt crack. Oh, no. She's actually got one of those big furry tails coming out of it when you take the sticker off. Oh, cool. It's kind of like when you unzip the the pants on. Yeah. And you see a a big old. Or wait, no, the banana. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. No, Um, it's all of them. So then the inside is like this weird piece of artwork with apples for some reason. Hmm. Um, yeah, which is really strange. And then, where did it go? It must be stuck in here. Oh, yeah. The reason, the whole reason that I bought it, I thought I should just take a picture, but then I was like, eh, $5, I'll just buy it to show PJ. Worth it's cool. it. It came with an insert to subscribe to the Rolling Stones magazine. Oh, my man. God. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and look. Let's read over this thing. So first of all, let me get you a better camera view. There you go. Oh, that's so good. So it's they're got this so great old. picture of Mick and Keith looking extremely old. And you know what, PJ? They're still out there touring today. They are. <laughs> 40 years later. Oh, God. They look like they don't look like they should still be touring in this photo. And Mm-mm. yeah. So you can subscribe to... And get in touch with the Stones. It's a new informative bi-monthly magazine featuring oh. interviews with the Stones, Where the Boys Go, oh, Q&A no. column, a Rolling Stones quiz, photo flashback, letters to the editor, no. and a full subscription includes the Rolling Stones collector's kit, well, which we'll go over in a moment, and much more. Peter, you're a journalist. Imagine being the poor sucker who's got to write all those. <laughs> um, that would be the greatest gig in the world. It'd be so fucking easy. You'd have to make it all up, though, because Keith Richards isn't going to be like, 
that what makes I've it been so doing much more for the last two months. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I got it. hit on the head with a coconut yeah. and lost at sea. Yeah. Also, poor Bill. I forget. No, Bill was still there. Yeah, poor Bill and Charlie. Maybe. They didn't even make it onto the pamphlet. Um, oh, I think the magazine's maybe called Beggar's Banquet. Oh. Yeah. It's hmm. really just wild to me that in like 1986 or whatever, there was a market enough. Like, I know that yeah. there's fans of the Stones, but that like a teenager would be like, yes, like I a... need that Stones yeah. bi-monthly magazine, like fan mag, where I hear what they're out and about doing. That is very It's a very strange. 80s idea, but for like an 80s teen idol or something, not right. for- yeah. Like the David Cassidy fan club, you know? Yeah. Well, and like we just read at the beginning of Pink Floyd Fellas, that whole like newspaper article that basically asked right. all the same shit from like the 60s. So anyway, yeah, it's very weird. But anyway, here's the here's what the collector's kit comes with. A collector's interview record with the Stones, which fascinating. Some postcards, a button and sticker, Stones passport info, like photocopies of their passports, which is weird. weird. Kind of fun. Um, and then other stuff. There's 25 collectors' items in all. It looks like a lot of posters, hmm. like of all the album covers and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, here we go. And then here's the info that you need to give them. So your name, address, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um. Sorry. So you can. So then you have two options. For 11.50, you can get the full one-year subscription to Beggar's Banquet, which is six issues bi-monthly. The Rolling Stones collector's kit and a one-year fan club membership, which no word on what the one-year fan club membership gives you. Right. No idea. Of course. For only seven fifty, you can just get the one-year subscription to Beggar's Banquet. Not bad. Seven fifty, pretty good. Yeah. They also want to know your age and whether you're male or female. And then, even in the mid to late eighties, pretty impressive. You can pay with a credit card, Visa, wow. Mastercard, American Express, and you can write out your account number. They except American date. Express. I, it wasn't American Express the first one. Sorry, no, the go. first credit card was a Diners Club credit card. Oh. I thought Amex was one of the old ones, though. So. I think it is an old one, but nobody accepts, accepts Amex because they take more of a percent every time you use their card. No. Please make checks or money orders payable to the Rolling Stones official pan- fan club. California residents add 6.5% tax. <laughs> was California the only state with a tax like that back then? I don't know. That's weird. Must have been. Yeah, also, the Rolling Stones official fan club is at 8033 Sunset Boulevard, number 44, which I forgot to do this beforehand. Let's go live. What is that address now? I'm going to guess it's either an empty warehouse or it's like... What was it? A frozen yogurt shop or something. What was the address? Which is not an L.A. joke. Just I'm trying to think of something ridiculous it would be. Uh, 8033 Sunset Boulevard, number 44 in Los Angeles, California. My guess is that it's a Trader Joe's now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's a UPS store. Oh no! Well, maybe oh, it was back then too, and they're just like they can ship out our magazine. Wait, wait, wait! Us. This is on Laurel Canyon Boulevard. What am I supposed to be looking yeah, 8033 at? Eight zero three three Sunset Boulevard, number forty four. Yeah, that's a UPS store or Damn. a solid roofing company or Happy Doggies <laughs> Day Dog Day <laughs> Camp slash Care. Oh man! It's all three of those. You know, the Rolling Stones, they come out with the chocolate bar, but they can't even keep their office space on Sunset no. Boulevard. So sad. Do you and think it, there's still a Rolling Stones official fan club? Um, Let's look it up. I was about to say how sad is it that they don't have fan clubs anymore, and then I realized Patreon exists. So, Yeah. And OnlyFans. 
which is yeah that's right only the fans fan of patreon club. cover yeah. all of those needs that you'd ever need what's up with fan clubs oh oh i think they're i think they're really cool actually and it does make me sad that even when we were growing up like i would have totally been in a fan club but I feel you know, like they were around in the earlier 2000s, but by the time we were like in high school, yeah. I think they were totally gone. You know what club I would have been in um, if they still the had MC it when Army. we were in high school? Yeah, well, of course the MC Army. Um, and also the real Army, but they wouldn't... I've got flat feet, so... Um, and... Uh, I had a bunch of peanut butter on my dick. <laughs> they didn't want me yeah. at all. It was getting all the drug-sniffing dogs really excited. Yeah, Um yeah. But uh, I'd be—I would have been in the AV club. Mm-hmm. It seems like a fun thing to be in. I don't know what they do, but I think it was—they were back the ones in the who... day when, like, they only had like one or two TVs or projectors or overheads or whatever for the school, so they would like manage it and check it out to people and stuff like that. And that like, sounds fix sweet. The electronics, yeah. It sounds like a lot of power. It does sound pretty sweet. All right, uh, so that's my record store shopping update for anybody who gives it. Oh, they're loving it, Pete. This is a good segment. Also, a very quick, extremely quick, uh, I don't even think we have a theme song for this anymore, but Sirius XM chat update. Not even a real chat, just if anyone out there wants to know for sure, you can successfully pay, like, a third of the price that Sirius advertises if you just tell them you're going to cancel every year and then they immediately offer you a dirt hmm. cheap price and you say, oh, okay, sure then, I'll keep it. It's the last thing, the last thing in the world they want you to do is cancel, apparently. They love your life hack. Yeah, I did successfully cancel once and then literally like two weeks later we got something in the mail offering me a really cheap price. And I was like, you could have just done this when I you know, called you to tell you I was canceling. And now they do. They really cut out yeah, the middle exactly. man. The mailman. Yeah, although eventually it won't be a good deal because I think every time it's gone up like 75 cents or a dollar or something per month, it's still really cheap, but it's gone up slowly. So in like 10 How much years, you it's going to be... Price drop be that shit, anymore. man. How much you paying for SiriusXM? I'm pretty sure now we're at 7 or $8 a month. I actually forget, even though we just recently re-upped it. Hmm. But, which is, I would say, really good, especially given how much we listen to it, which is constantly especially yeah. on a road trip or something. Um, not, not in the Miata, though. And then, no, unfortunately not in the Miata. Or fortunately, can't tell. Mm. I've actually taken to just not listening to music at all in the Miata. Just uh, top-down, engine just roar, enjoying baby. the drive. feel the highway, yeah. yeah. Um, hear those tires squeal. Um, hear the chickens. Chickens. Balking? Yeah, balking when I run over them. <laughs> no, why chickens? Um <laughs> You know, the most prevalent bird in Portland, chickens. I'm I'm driving through a uh, global bazaar on a a wild chase, and the the rear end peels out when I slide around a corner and accidentally run into a stall full of chickens. Yeah, and then there's the guys holding a pane of glass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Um, So anyway, but that's gone up from, I believe it was 5 or $6 Hmm. when we first got SiriusXM, which was like three years ago now. So Pretty reasonable, I'd say. It really is. Like, as long as it's cheaper than Spotify, I'll definitely keep it. Serious XM. I like it better than Put Spotify. us on your 
podcast station. We talk about you enough. Give us that sponsor, baby. Yes. And we're two white guys, so they would really love us. They would love us. This is fantastic. Yeah. Even our other podcast, it's three white guys, which is what's better than two white guys? Three white guys. I know. They do like, apparently, hosts, shows with more hosts and also less diversity. So, Uh, yeah. I don't know if you were, this is the inside inside shop talk or whatever but inside baseball if you will yeah a weird like blog that some i forget which earwolf podcast host but someone wrote about how when they were bought by sirius they like literally started just winding down every single show that was diverse ish and then were like like it was very clear even though they weren't saying it but it was like yeah if you're white and if you have like three to five hosts we really want you but all of the like two people diverse ones they just threw by the wayside yeah which means real bands fake music let's get on earwolf that's what i'm saying yeah spotify fuck spotify fuck joe rogan he's out now he's gone serious we need that serious money man joe rogan's too woke for us yeah exactly (laughs) yeah uh anyway uh we'll bring look Serious, if if you hire us, we'll bring you the My Pillow account for advertising. We promise. Yeah. We can promise. And the and the My Undies account. And if our intro, because it's an Indian gentleman, if we need to get if rid of that's not working for you, yeah. Well, it might gone. be a deal breaker but like that. We'll have to negotiate about that one. But we can get we can get the Irish Siri voice to do it. Oh perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see yeah. if I can find an Irish guy. Conor McGregor does it really cheap. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, get a, get a random celebrity to do our... Oh, yeah. <gasps> we could Look, pay we were... somebody on Cameo. I was about to oh say we were God. talking about doing it on Fiverr, but we could absolutely pay a famous person on Cameo. Cameo would be so good. Oh, my so God. We we got gotta... it. Are any of the Beach Boys or Rolling Stones on Cameo, first of all? And then I feel like that's unlikely. So then are any living 27 Club members? Oh, wait. No, they're all dead. No. <laughs> Oh my god, that might have been the unintentionally funniest <laughs> thing I have ever said. Are any of the living Twenty Seven Club members on Cameo? We could get and Roger then, Stone to do it. <laughs> who? Roger Stone, the American political insult- consultant <laughs> that went to jail for a long time. And are uh, I feel like there's a really good chance Roger Waters is on Cameo, and it's like five thousand dollars for. Oh my cameo. god, Chuck Leavell, who uh, played. Oh yeah, for the Almond Brothers and the Rolling Stones. Yep. 250 ooh that's Oof. steep all right let's go we'll Pink have to Floyd. save up i'll have to ask for that for my birthday or something all right let's hope to god brian wilson's on here god that would just be sad actually oh no when well, i yeah, look at mike love we could get mike love to do it and get him to say something about you know how liberal politics are actually pretty nice and good for people yeah he'd do it for a cheap buck when i looked at beach boys it was all people from uh mtv's x on the beach or shot at love with tila tequila um let's see should i just look up classic rock and see if anybody sure um rick nielsen of cheap trick that's insane oh my god Air Supply does it for five dollars. Oh, one hundred and fifty dollars. They have five oh, stars. Damn. I was about to say, I know Shelby's birthday present for sure. They'll do it for one hundred and fifty bucks, pal. Um, let's see, man. The rock band Everclear will do it for sixty. Oh, there's a Rocky Balboa impressionist for fifty bucks. Wow. 
Oh yeah, is there an impressionist of is there a Mick Jagger impressionist we can get oh, to do it? Let's look up Mick Jagger. Yep. Nope. Damn it. Mick Foley of WWE would do it. <laughs> um Nice. Let's see. Let's go Keith Richards. I wonder if Johnny Depp is on here. Let's go guitarist. That that's a good idea. Shell Silver, oh, Keith Silvers. Peter Noon of Sirius XM fame is only fifty bucks. That's not bad, Peter. We God, I I hate that fucker too. Though is the problem. I hate um, his voice so much. Steve Vai would do it for one hundred and fifty. Ted Nugent, of course, is on there. How much is it? It's real expensive. I bet three hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we could just do this all day, I think. I think so, and we might. Okay. Chris Hansen of To Catch a Predator would be so funny. <laughs> what about, oh, God, he's definitely not alive anymore. I'm like, we do uh, Ed Sully Sullivan all the time, but he's obviously not alive. Yeah, that guy's dead. Deader than hell. Anyone from Rolling Stone magazine? Is Jan Winter on <sighs> Is here? Is Jan Winter on here? <laughs> I feel like Yon Winter would be, and it would be insanely expensive. Yeah. Because he would be on here because someone told him he should be, but he he doesn't want to do him. No, he's not on here. Boy, unfortunately, Peter Noon is like maybe our best choice. Especially because Peter Noon comes up all the time in terms of Sirius XM. So. Yeah, Peter Noon would be very good. And how much was he? 50 bucks. And, he's, he'll, and he'll do it in 24 hours. He has some example videos on his. He on sure his page does. I'm gonna pull go those to up. Yeah, give me one you second. You can message just for three dollars. What does that mean? You could just say hi, and they'll say hi back. I guess. That's so weird. This is way too similar to all my OnlyFans accounts. <laughs> my Doberman Pinscher's sleeping there in the background, snoring. She snores. Yeah, but we want to wish you from Eric. Eric wants to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. <coughs> Saw me twice in beautiful Lakewood, New Jersey. Oh, that's the wrong song. In beautiful Lakewood, New Jersey. <coughs> and you won her heart, Eric, by sending her 11 red roses and one white rose with a note that said, like the white rose, you stand out from the rest. <coughs> like you, I knew. I'm into he played the wrong song. That's very funny. That uh, is really funny. Okay, so I'm, I'm wait, filling wait, out wait, Peter Noon. Here's one where he's, where he's doing a bow tie. Oh, okay. Hello there. It's Peter Noon, <laughs> Herman from Herman's Hermits. And William O'Reilly, good friend, good follower. For Valentine's Day, he wanted to wish happy Valentine's Who Day. Who on Valentine's Day wants members. Peter Noon to wish My him family, that? Your I family, cannot even imagine. And his Anita in heaven. His birthday's on April the 1st. My 70th. <laughs> Your concert in New York is a present to myself. Well, you know what? Maybe all this nonsense will be over that, and I'll give you a shout-out from the stage and sing happy birthday to you from the stage at the Sony in New York. Okay, happy Valentine's to you all from our friend William O'Reilly. North Jesus. Peter Dave Noon. Mason's on here for 75 bucks. That's kind of an interesting one. Who'd you say? Dave Mason. 
the rock music section is it's so heavily 80s and 90s which yeah. makes sense because those people are more alive but okay so if i'm filling out peter noon's um peter noon parentheses herman <laughs> i did think that was very funny this cameos for myself to pete and pj what's the occasion other need help writing our request no, no. i got this instructions and then would we just copy paste our intro oh absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it just... please say this verbatim sir yeah <laughs> and if you could play leaning on a lamppost the only herman's hermit song that's any good <laughs> under it that would be ideal although then that would really clash with yeah have a cigar please no music underneath if you do yeah. have a cigar by pink floyd yeah Adrian you'll know Ballou, when to come in who i know by name but i don't actually know his music but interesting this is really not my scene if we could this get, is like, like the cameo it, rock music section is really just like what's every band peter's kind of heard of but never actually listened to their music yeah <laughs> are there any That's of the jackass guys on here whoa eric burden's on here <gasps> we could get could we get the... him to reprise his dumb uh monterey pop song <laughs> that'd be so good Eric Burden's only a hundred bucks for Eric Burden is not terrible. You can book a business video for a thousand dollars. Whoa, he looks like shit. Sorry, buddy. We could get Bam Margera's parents, April and (laughs) Phil Margera, for fifty dollars. That's that's an exciting thought. (laughs) So far, it appears, by the way, that every single member of the Aquabats is on here, (laughs) which is pretty incredible. Sebastian Bach of um. Skid Row is four hundred dollars. Ooh, that's steep for Sebastian. Do you think because people think it's the real Bach and they're like, "That's a pretty good price for a dead guy." That's crazy. He's dead. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Should should we do? Should we do? Listener mail. All right, so this is listener mail. Uh, we have another. We have a uh, another fan letter from our favorite fan letter writer, Nathan. Although for some reason he called it a fauna letter this time, and I don't know if that's a joke that I don't get or a um, typo. So Nathan, email us back and just let us know what the joke is. Okay. Nathan, do you have a good voice? <laughs> yeah, Nathan, do you want to do our intro? We've already flirted with making you our unpaid remote intern. True. Um. This- <laughs> a remote intern <laughs> remote just... and unpaid we don't give you any work it's really just a title yeah you can but you can about it's it enough to, to get on other Cameo fans and charge 20 bucks yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm number one for you. uh all right so nathan says dear fellas which thank you uh Appreciate the it. rolling stones the magazine not the band blatantly oh. stole our idea soon after we announced our new podcast and then he links to a list of the best songs by fake artists from the Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, coincidence? Probably. A betrayal? Debatable. It is. It uh, is. Although absolutely. that backstabber, Jan Wenner, is, uh, always betrays. That everyone. Dutch bastard. I know. But I thought I should bring this injustice to your attention to possibly create new beef and to give you a chance to plug your new podcast again. See, Nathan gets it. Um, See, last time we did beef, we did it with a podcast that was incrementally more popular than us, I would say. Yeah. If we do it with Rolling Stone, baby, we're blowing up. Yeah, well, we're blowing up, and then also, um, I think it's already been well established that I hate Jan Winter, so. He's I, a bad um, guy. 
Yeah. So, and that I don't like Rolling Stone generally. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's continued beef. It's an escalation of some simmering beef. Uh, this pot of chili just got put back on the stove, bitch. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. Uh, and then also Nathan adds at the end there, we'll go through this list in a second. Thanks for bringing it to our attention, Nathan. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been listening through Pink's discography and have been loving it. Can't wait till you get to the Funhouse era. <laughs> Best regards, Nathan. Thank you, that Nathan. sounds anything uh, but fun to me. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just say I think this is the joke. But just in case, Nathan, it's Pink Floyd, man. <laughs> We're not listening through Pink. Uh, it's it's Pink Floyd. So um, oh. whatever, you know, if you got to stop listening to Pink I mean, like, you can keep listening to Pink. Look, start your own podcast about Pink. That sounds sick as hell. Uh, she's been around a crazy long time. Like, I think her first album came out in the 90s. Um, and so I did, that would I, be an interesting podcast. I didn't understand the joke, but now I get it. Oh, well, it. good thing that I explained it then. I was worried I was over-explaining <laughs> Which it. Which is funny because earlier I thought it'd be very funny for me to make a mashup uh, every episode of a Pink song and a Pink Floyd song and call it Pink <laughs> Floyd, but Pink spelled with an exclamation point, of course. Um, yeah. Well, that's just a great idea in general. I think like, so. That's a, the next oh. TikTok account. Oh, they, don't they don't like, like it. it. They don't yeah, like these it. These classic rock guys, you know. Although Pink's basically, what, classic pop at this point. Uh, right. First well, album, by the way. They don't like the it if you bring up a woman. So 2000, which is wild. Hmm. Yeah. Um... You know what's an interesting thing? I'm just thinking this because in the first paragraph of her Wikipedia page, it talks about her working on the Moulin Rouge soundtrack because she sang Lady Marmalade. Ah, uh, yes. Boulou-le-coucher avec toi. Is this one? Um, I heard, I forget what podcast. It's not important. But I heard someone recently say that they went to the new Moulin Rouge uh, like stage production, which they did an updated version, which has some of the songs in the original, but then also like some newer songs done in the Moulin Rouge kind of, you know, cover style. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying that they really didn't like it because they're like, I don't think their covers were very good of the new songs. And then they were like, but I think it's because like in the original movie, that's how I like grew to love these songs is from hearing them from this movie. And so then when I was hearing songs that I'd already heard outside of it, I didn't like it. And it was really, it was from someone who was talking about how they loved Moulin Rouge. And I'm like, you just explained why I fucking hate Moulin Rouge. Because I know all those songs from outside Moulin Rouge. And by the time I saw it, I was like, these are all shitty covers. It's shitty covers. And it was just really funny hearing someone who loves Moulin Rouge explain why people hate it. Yeah. But without realizing that that's that's exactly why why people hate it. Yeah. It's shitty covers. And then in a really terrible movie, just in general. Yeah. Not a lot of plot going into it. Um, Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and do the top five because uh, there are fifty full songs on this on this list, and maybe we'll get to it on our other podcast. Fake bands, oh, yeah. we'll real definitely, music. Yeah, look it up on uh, your podcast app, please. Um, you said that in a tone and with a face exactly like Mike Mitchell in a Birthday Boy sketch to me for some yeah. reason. <laughs> you can hear it on our other podcast. Fake bands, real fake music. bands, real music. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, number five. It's hard out there for a pimp, or excuse me, it's hard out here for a pimp from Hustle and Flow, uh, which yeah. I did not realize was from a movie. I just thought that was a, yeah. You when know, you're trying song. to get the money for the rent, anyway. it's a good song. Yep. It is a good song, but that was, yeah. Maybe not top five, up. I don't think, but okay. It seems kind of weird, but anyway, uh, number four, uh, which I don't know, I think Hustle and Flow is on our list. Um, it should be. 
Number four, three small words from the Josie and the Pussycats movie, which is on Hilarious. our list. Hilarious. Yeah. So funny. Uh, number three, Shallow from A Star is Born from no. 2018. Hard pass. Which is also on our list, but I know people love that song. But It's a terrible know. song. Uh, number two... Scotty doesn't know from the film Euro Trip. Yes, that should be number two. That's correct. Okay, I didn't know there was a Scotty band in doesn't that movie. No, that Fiona and me do it in my van every Sunday. It's sung by Matt Damon in the film. It's not really sung yeah. by him. Is there a do, is that a band that should we be covering Euro Trip? I don't come across that. No, one it is. Research. There's only one song in it. If anything, oh, it would so we be one of to Paul's quick hits. Yeah, come shots or whatever he calls it. Yeah. <laughs> What does he call it? Um, what is quick that hits, bit? I think. Oh, but, uh, yeah. This a lot of this list is quick hits because a lot of it is those type of things where it's like the one song in the movie. Uh, but PJ, you're gonna be real happy about this coming in at number one. Drum roll. Get ready for the crowd to ooh and ah. That thing you do by the Wonders. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the right answer. And they said, "What else could be number one on this list?" Which is like. All right. Surprisingly good. Absolutely true. Um, Written by the same man who wrote Stacy's Mom. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Adam Schlesinger wrote that song. Interesting. All right. So anyway, yeah, we'll definitely go over that more uh, in our our other show, Fake Bands Real Music, which can be found by searching Fake Bands Real Music on all your podcast listening devices or Google. Um, I think maybe just the iTunes podcast app right now. (laughs) Um, Oh, I found it in mine. I use a third party one and I've... Okay, yeah, go look it up in your podcast apps, please. There you go. Um, All right, so that has been Listener Mail. Thanks, Nathan. And people can write us at beachboysboys at gmail.com, or if they have a question about our other show, they can email us at fakebandsrealmusic at gmail.com. I forgot you secured that bag, dude. I did secure that. Um, Also, if you you just are a huge fan and want to scroll through Cameo and send us good ideas, (laughs) we do, I think... We're willing to pay upwards of, I would say a hundred would probably be my max. That would be the maximum in this show. I I, would, I I spent less than that on my mic, so yeah. <laughs> I I would like to pay fifty or less, but oh yeah, absolutely. If it's a really good one, I'm willing to split it with Peter fifty fifty. If it's someone who's connected with this show, like in any meaningful way, then I would be willing to go up. If you can get Mick price, Taylor, yeah. is he dead? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so, but I don't know. He didn't if show you up know Mick Taylor, I would assume he'd show up. Let us know. All right. Uh, okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into Umaguma or Amagama, however you want to pronounce it. Unclear how you're supposed to pronounce it. Um, Is it unclear? I thought it was Amagama. <laughs> no, I think it's Amagama. <laughs> but I like the idea of someone calling it Umaguma. Um, so. Pink Floyd. Uh, so we talked about last time uh, their album More, which they wrote for the movie More, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. directed by the director More and starring More. Um, and so they actually recorded that kind of in the middle of their sessions for this album. They started recording for Umagama or Umaguma uh, in September 68 uh, and then did more around Christmas and New Year, 68, 69, and then mm-hmm. finished up this album. Yeah. By what did they do more of? July. Oh, they did. They wanted more s'mores. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finished this album up by July 69. And Hell so yeah. <laughs> um, 
their original idea basically they didn't really have an idea for an album <laughs> which maybe explains a lot about this album hmm, maybe um all right yeah because they came in to the studio and the band and Norman Smith, I think, yeah, as their producer and all the uh, fellas working in the studio, they all looked at each other and said, well, what's the new album? And they said, we don't fucking know. Who knows, man? Yeah. And then they decided to do a little bit of a weird, a weird mashup, uh, which. Which is so what they, I think when I try to mash a Pink and Pink Floyd song together. I think what a weird mashup. Exactly. So they decided to combine a live album with a studio album, uh, which I don't, you know, we've talked about a lot of old live albums and how they would do a lot of live stuff with studio overdubs um, Mm -hmm. or do just a studio album and then put fake crowd noise in as a live album and stuff like that. I don't actually think. Wait, 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 wait. The Beach Boys put in fake crowd music into their albums? I'm almost positive it was the Beach Boys live album we did with. No, which one was it? It was one of those. Was it the one we did with Dawit? I'm pretty sure some of the tracks were just fully in studio, and they added crowd noise over the top. No, what? Who would do that? That is the Beach really Boys insulting work. to listeners, and I would never do it. And yeah. oh, yeah. they hate I it know. too. The listeners. Yeah, I know. I know. So they decided. It took to me do a the... long time to pull that up. They decided to do first half live album, live album, and then second disc uh, would be new music. Um, but they, as I said, had no ideas for what this new music could be. And so Rick mm-hmm. came up with a weird idea. And Rick's oh. weird idea was, and this really I think is, I'm assuming, born just because Rick had an idea for a song in his head but didn't want to go through the work of coming up with other songs. Of course, yeah. And so he said, hey, what if we took a disc, divided it into four equal-ish sections of time, And each band member had their own, just created their own little song or like little song suite. And we put that out as a Pink Floyd album. And the Mm. rest of them were too lazy to say no. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that sounds like it's going to come to be a really cohesive and like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, really well oriented album. Yeah, for sure. So uh, they all agreed, uh, by which I mean, they were too lazy to say no. Of course. Um. And so Rick jumped in first, which is, again, why I'm pretty sure he just had this ready to go. Um, so Rick jumped into the studio to do... Well, let, sorry, let me cover the live stuff first, actually. Okay. So the live disc kind of came about because they wanted to record some of their live stuff. And so their live sets, we've talked about this a little bit, but especially... Mm-hmm. I mean, Pink Floyd will always be really famous for their live concerts, but especially in this kind of time period, they were almost more popular for their live live concerts than their recorded material, and especially kind of getting up into the early 70s before Dark Side of the Moon. Mm -hmm. Like, the Pink Floyd, you know, fan base was really just all about the live, the live bootlegs and stuff. Um, And so they were going to phase out some fan favorites from their set. And so they decided to record them and put them on this live disc. So they ended up using two terrible recordings. Right. For some reason. I don't know why these were the, like they, they didn't release this album until November, 1969 and started working on it in fall 1968. So I have no idea 
why they only had two shows. But they only mm-hmm. had two shows, apparently, to capture these songs. The first one, their equipment uh, was malfunctioning, so they didn't get really great audio. <laughs> and then the next show, they got good audio, but they didn't really like the performances. But they shrugged and said, oh, well, that's it, I guess. There's no way. Who oh, would even cool, decide? Cool, cool. Who could even decide for us to play these at another show later on? Like, we have a gig next week, but we're phasing these out of the set list. So there's nothing. Look, our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do, guys. The fans have spoken. Exactly. The fans have spoken. These are their favorites, and we're getting rid of them. So, anyway. Uh, so, all that being said, generally the live versions, we'll get to some kind of reviews later. The live versions on this album are supposed to be kind of among the better ones compared to other bootlegs and live recordings from the era. But Pink Floyd themselves were not particularly happy with them. My favorite part about a band like this, like, you know, your Pink Floyds, your Grateful Deads, your Fishes. Um, mm-hmm. is that the ones that they recorded, there's probably also a bootleg of, which is very fun. Yeah, it is. Um, so they started recording their studio tracks. Uh, so Rick, Rick kind of started first. He had this idea for a song suite inspired by the story of Sisyphus, the guy who had to push the rock up the hill but could never make it up the hill and it would always roll back down on him. Oh, Sissy Fist is my name on Grinder as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. That's Sissy Fist. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, it, close. Um, So, yeah. So he started working on this, and apparently, because uh, he's a fucking nerd, he didn't use sheet music to draw out his song suite. He drew it out on graph paper. I fucking hate these architecture students. <laughs> I think I'm done with the podcast at this point, Pete. <laughs> I hate that so much. Oh, and we haven't even gotten to the album yet. I know, man. That sucks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, at the time, what's really interesting is that all of them in interviews at the time really liked the album or, and or at least liked the like process of it. And then all of them by like the 80s and 90s were doing interviews talking about how shitty it was. <laughs> so... Yeah, so in 1970, in an interview, Rick said that the experiment was really valid and helped him, like, understand his sense of music and how he was fitting in with the band and everything. And then later, he called it pretentious, which, yeah. Yep. But also all Pink Floyd music. That's kind of their thing. It's entire, It's so. the most pretentious band in the world. That's not true. Vampire Weekend. But um, it's, it's close. Yeah. It's very close. They're um, up there. Can you imagine? So let's think of a band with four people. Ah, oh, the Beatles. All right. Um, sure, the beat, the beatless. So imagine if they had, let's it's say, the Silver Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> let's say they had a twelve-song album, right? Sure. They each get four songs. Correct. No, they each get three songs. I'm sorry, my math was yeah. bad. Yeah. Um. So first of all, that's Ringo's entire output. And exactly. Then the other people. Well, and yeah. that's what I was, was going to say. The like, entire output George you know, is allowed. <laughs> during three, his time. Three, three quarters of it. Wow, this is a pretty good album. And then you get to yeah. that last quarter, and it's like... Oh, what? No. Oh, three Ringo songs. Ringo definitely has three great songs. No, but if they were in the studio, and they are like, you have oh. to... It's like on yes. Abbey Road when you're like, yes. oh, the perfect album, and then Octopus's Garden comes on, and you're like, oh, okay. No, Octopus's Garden is one of the great Ringo songs. No, it's That's not. That's a fantastic song. All right. But you're right in that Pink Floyd did like all their instruments themselves and stuff. So Ringo would have yeah. been fucked, as we saw from Let It Be. Where exactly. Couldn't even yeah. plunk out those piano chords. Oh, no, hey, which, he by did. the way. It was really cute. George Harrison helps him like an older brother. It's very I know. Adorable. It is cute. Um, okay. So Roger Waters then did his. He did just a couple songs instead of like a suite. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also 
had like some positive things to say about it at the time, but later called it a disaster. Um, but he has an interesting kind of quote from an interview in 1970. He said, I wasn't amazed with the live album of Umagama. Oh, by the way, this is all from my book, uh, Pink Floyd, All the Songs, The Story Behind Every Track by John Michael Goudon and Philippe Margoton. Okay, so I wasn't fantastically amazed with the live album of Umagama, but I think the idea for the studio side doing one track each was basically good. I think it would have been better if mm. we'd done them individually and then got the opinions of others, put four heads into each piece instead of just one. I think each piece would have benefited from that. But by the time we were done, we'd used up our studio time. <laughs> Great excuse, buddy. <laughs> I was quite pleased with the way it came out, though. It sold a lot, which is something, which is also the most Roger Waters thing to end with in the world. Oh, dude, absolutely. Yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of Mike Love, I just realized right now, I was trying to, I kind of was thinking about this earlier and I was trying to think of how to put it, but Roger Waters is absolutely the Mike Love of Pink Floyd. Anyway. I mean, 100%. um, Yeah. So, and then Davey said he, quote, bullshitted his way through his section, (laughs) (laughs) which is fantastic. And also classic Roger Waters move. He apparently asked Roger for help and Roger said, no, we're supposed to do it alone. Oh, what a fucking, that's the kid who raises yeah. his hand and is like, you forgot to give us homework, teacher. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that guy. Um, And then Nick Mason, again, also said he liked it at the time, but then later called it a failed experiment and said the most significant thing about it was we didn't do it again. <laughs> that guy <laughs> Which rules. is really funny. Yeah. yeah. He, so, Nick, you said that was Nick Mason? Yeah. Might be my favorite Pink Floyd member. Uh-huh. Uh, So far, it ain't bad. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of look. What's up with '60s drummers being the only married ones? Because he's married too, and he's the only married one in the band at this point. Huh. So and Ringo. I mean, the Beatles all were married, but then not all. But John, well, John was married, was married first. and then got divorced, though. Yeah. But then, like when they were a band, really, right. Ringo was the only married one. Anyway, um, so the title Umaguma or Amagama. Uh, apparently was slang for sex from Sid and Davies college days, which is kind of funny. If we wrote this album, it'd be called fucking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then the album cover, which is this, uh, it actually really bothers me that this album isn't, uh, I mean, I guess I'm giving away a little bit here that it isn't that great because the album cover, both front and back, uh, is probably my favorite pink floyd album cover so good it is a very good and to me it looks like this album when you play it the first song should be like southern rock and like just so good yeah it does seem kind of allman brothersy i can dig that so yeah so the front is it was apparently so it's another hypnosis album cover right Uh, so they're hanging out with storm and they went to storm's friend house friend's house out in the uk countryside and so they took his name at their house (laughs) yeah Um, and so, and actually something that I had not actually ever noticed until you and I were talking about the album art a couple weeks ago on the show and I looked it up and zoomed in, but the part like in the frame where it's the repeating image, I'd never noticed before that they all swap places every time in the repeating image. And I thought it was just the same thing, like the Land of Lakes logo or whatever. Yeah. But they all in each concentric image i, are, I already all like four of this them swap album places. cover that makes me like it even more i know right it's really cool and then the back cover is a really famous uh like cover too which i really like uh which yeah. is their roadies set up all of their equipment on a, a um what am i trying to say a landing strip at, at a london airport yeah and 
took a cool photo of it. Um, so it's just all their shit laid out, which is really, really fun looking. Yeah. I do think it's Including funny that they're the gong still up on the truck and like, yeah, I think it's know. funny that there is two basses and two guitars for three people. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, okay. So this is kind of, so like Rick has, you know, a decent amount of equipment, but yeah. then apparently still at this point, Rick or Rick, Roger and Davey were still, still only had two instruments. So David had the white strat and then he, yeah. had, he used to have a white telecaster that apparently got stolen or lost. Yeah. So in this picture, you see he has like just a plain wood Stratocaster, which is really cool looking. No, 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 no. The the plain wood one is a Telecaster. Oh, that's what I mean. Sorry. Um, yes, he had a white Telecaster that was lost, and then got yeah. a plain wood yeah. Telecaster to replace it. And then uh, Roger still just has his Rickenbacker that he's had since the early days, and then he got I think before this album, around this album's recording, he got a white. Jazz bass, bass which we talked like, about last yeah, time, I think. So it must have been around more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then... So yeah, they just both have their two things. Yeah, well, and then Rick has like 19 keyboards, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and there's and way then, too many drums there, man. Yeah, and then Nick Mason has his fucking timpanies, which, come on, bro. He must have grown up rich trust fund. Yeah, yeah. Is It, it is interesting to see the double basses, though, just because I really didn't think of that as a 60s thing. Um. I mean that that a band would be doing so. Yeah, I mean Paul McCartney had his violin mm-hmm. bass, and then I think for the recording part, most of the time he played a jazz bass or a precision bass or something. I mean the double bass drum. Sorry on Nick Mason's oh, set. That is weird. That's like a metal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you so. cannot tell from the recordings that it's double bass. It just sounds normal. No, I think it's just because it looks cool. Probably. I mean, it does he's look- doing. It's like the prototype or the the. What am I trying to say? the proto uh like yeah over overdone late 70s yeah. drummer with like 19 symbols around him kind of it, thing it does look pretty kick-ass that it's pink on one drum and floyd on the other that's pretty badass yeah. dude. it's really embarrassing that one show though when they accidentally got him wrong and it said yeah. floyd pink oh yeah. god that's just your old gym teacher I know, and they didn't notice because like the back of the venue there was like this big mirror and so they were like oh it's perfect it says pink floyd it's great yeah. They also had it backwards that time. <laughs> the drum tech fucked up bad. Yeah. Um so anyway, uh getting to the review, which let's go ahead and start playing the album underneath this because boy Smart. this album's long, so Oh I remember this song. It's really bad. Yeah, so this is Astronomy Domine their debut track off of their debut album. Uh, Okay. So, excuse me. There was no Rolling Stone review for this, which I was really surprised by because this seems like Rolling Stone would have picked up on Pink Floyd by now, but I guess not. So, I ended up just looking for any other reviews and ended up finding uh, some other kind of interesting ones that I want to read so and this is just from like random music blogs around the internet so from best shot whiskey reviews cool yeah quote this is not pink floyd for the casual listener it certainly is not the place to start your pink floyd collection but if you're a true fan there is enough to discover on this studio album so good thing we're all true fans here and we found a lot to discover yeah uh a website called psychedelic site (laughs) <laughs> says that 
says that Amagama could have been the greatest live psychedelic music album of them all, and perhaps it is by default. But before that discussion... <laughs> but before that discussion, we must dispense with Disc One's Sad Sack Sibling, a studio vanity project that gave each member of the quartet half an album to flail about. <laughs> Consider that... Consider that one the bonus CD, Odds and Sods for Hardcore Fans, a record to be played once a decade, if that. Even the band hated it. Onward. <laughs> yeah, that's an, that's an funny. astute yeah. review. Yeah. Uh, and then, fantastically, uh, this is from Robert Criscow. Uh, so this is actually, he didn't start reviewing them till the next album, Adam Hartmother. And so, but at the end of Adam Hartmother, he says that it has a few hypnotic melodies that make Umma, or that made Amagama such an admirable record to fall asleep to. <laughs> oh, cool. Which is a rules. great line. And also is really funny because I was going to mention on this show and then saved it talking about with this is that I listened to Saucerful a couple times in the last couple of weeks and really enjoyed it. But one of the times I was inspired to put it on was literally when I was going to go take a nap. And I was like, I really, like, I want to put on my over-ear headphones and listen to something that I can, like, lay down and relax to. And, like, maybe fall asleep, like, that won't keep me awake, you know? Yeah. And I was like, saucer full of secrets. Perfect. And you know what? Yeah. It fucking was. And I can't decide whether that makes it great music or not. It, it's hard to say. Because yeah. I used to do that with... Um, the first year I went to a summer camp and had an iPod, um, I would sign up for swimming because I was like, I'm not going to do arts and crafts or go running around or anything. Um, yeah. So I would lay on the like beach of the lake and I would put on um, Electric Light Orchestra Greatest Hits and just nice. like fall asleep. And it was yeah. so good. And that's yeah. a great album. To this day, I'm like, great album. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's hard to say. So- is interesting, but I mean, I think, yeah, very astutely said Robert Christgau. Um, also, just to share, we haven't gotten to metal yet, but his review is fucking hilarious. And I'm assuming by metal we'll have a Rolling Stone review, so I thought we'd just read it now. Okay. Um, so metal, he says, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, not bad. The song, no, 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 no. The song Echoes moves through... Uh, 23 minutes of Across the Universe cop with the timeless calm of Interstellar Overdrive and the acoustic-type folk songs boast their very own melodies, as well as a real, d- real dog rather than electronic seagulls. The word behold should never cross their filters again, but this is definitely an improvement. One eensy-weensy step for humanity, one giant step for Pink Floyd. <laughs> Which is oh, wow. just an incredible... God damn it, he the, was so good. The fact that he... Wrote the words "eensy weensy," so yeah, right. good. So couldn't have been more condescending. I know. Love that. I'm gonna go to the All next right. song here, which is yes. Let's careful get to with careful that with that axe, Eugene. Eugene. Also, the thing I've noticed about Pink Floyd um, is that so I bought a whole new um, re- record or uh, like audio interface, and part yeah. of that is because. Like, with the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones and the 27 Club, most of the albums were the same volume. That is not the case for Pink Floyd. I found myself Mm. turning it up and down a lot, so I bought a new one that's more dial-oriented. The problem with Pink Floyd, which we're going to have to figure out sooner rather than later, is that they have, like, these 8- to 10-minute-long songs, but it's not, like... 
the eight to ten minute long songs we've done before where it's like oh if you just skip to this part there's a good solo or like if you mm -hmm. skip to this part you can kind of hear this groove they're really a lot more like I don't know, they're kind of like more mosaic-y than that. Like, it's really hard to skip around to get a sense of where the song goes without actually listening to the whole thing, especially on this earlier stuff, I would say, yeah. compared to their later 70s stuff. Because, um, like, I actually, I listened, I re-listened to this song recently and really, really liked it for the first time. I kind of got really into this. But then it's like I literally do not know where I could go in this song to convince you it's good because I feel like a lot of the stuff I liked about it was like as a whole listening composition yeah so um, I can tell you that write into beachboysboys at gmail.com if you have any ideas <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that I you know if the first two minutes of a song is just dumb bullshit it's a pretty good chance I'm not gonna like it um, uh, I don't necessarily blame you <laughs> and <laughs> The organ on it has really great tone, and that's maybe the nicest thing I can say about this song. Yeah, I really like, like, I just really like when it gets going, but I don't actually know when that is, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. Around when the scream is. Ah. Go like, go like halfway through, see what happens. Oh, go like a minute back. Yeah, here we go. So it does do this for a long time. And I will say the transition on this song from this part to the like part where it gets going is super, um, what's the word I want to say here? Uh, it's like super um, dark side of the moony. Like you can yeah. see some like faint. God, they didn't have to whisper there, dude. They didn't have to. Is that Jamie Lee Curtis? I do like this, like, 40-second section. Nick Mason's drumming is really good in this part, I think. Like, I really like his fills. Much like with the Rolling Stones, where Charlie Watts, even on a terrible album, it's like, he's laying it down. I think that might be the same for Nick Mason, where he's just yeah. a great drummer. He's pretty um, good, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this one's pretty good. Let's get to Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun. Can they fuck off with the names for like a second? For like a second. So, I guess, okay, here's what I will say about these songs, except for Careful With That Axe, Eugene, which we hadn't really listened to before because it's not on an album album. And right. I knew it was going to be on this one, so we are waiting. I don't think that any of these are that much better than the originals, and they're also not that different. They're like surprisingly not that different they're to me, not, which is interesting. They're the Pink same. It seems like the kind of band where it would be wildly different live. But no, it's like they were like, I mean, they're fucking architecture students or whatever. So they're like, we're going to build it the same way. It's such yeah. horseshit. It's like they do it the exact same and then put it on a live album where you only hear cheering at the beginning and end and with yeah. no variation between. Yeah. I was very annoyed with that. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I'm was that recording. the music or did you drop something? <laughs> no, I dropped something. Um, okay. But and it was like, my audio interface. So I was like, am I still recording? <laughs> I can hear you at the least. Yeah, I'm still recording, so we're good. 
Uh, yeah, about the applause. It is really funny how like distinctive it is. Like it's not during the songs at all, or you don't hear any crowd noise. Right. Nothing. And I feel like I came up with a joke that I don't even agree with, but I think you'll appreciate. Is just that Amagama is one of the only live albums that includes audience applause, just as proof that people actually enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, people were here listening. They liked it. Or they're just being polite, like, oh, they, that one's yeah. gone now. It's over. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe. You know what? Fuck it. Let's get to Sisyphus. Thank you. <laughs> they're they're oh, wait, basically no. the same. They now really are kind of basically. It's a the saucer same. full of secrets now. Yeah, but oh, you want to just skip that one? It's basically. Yeah, we've heard it. Let's just yeah. get to the new music. And nothing reminds me more. And you know, I think when watching this is Spinal Tap, I didn't necessarily realize that all of the like proggy stuff was Pink Floyd. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit Pink Floyd. But this is very um, like Stonehenge. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like, Thankfully, just they ludicrous. don't quite go full this again, yeah. as far as I know. Maybe they do on the next couple albums, but definitely not by the They're lying the pretty heavily on that gong and those timpanis, which I'm like, did yeah. a high school band director like yeah, you know, write this? Luckily, it's very short. Right. Very short intro, and then we get into Sisyphus Part 2. About ten. Se- I was gonna skip it, but I was like, we can hold out ten true. seconds. I'll use this five seconds to say, go listen to Fake Bands Real Music, our other podcast, where we cover Spinal Tap in our first episode. It's true. You can skip that episode if you want. It's not very good. <laughs> we did a bit. It didn't work. The piano is very well recorded here. It's really well recorded, and I really like his piano playing. But I mean, what is there to talk? It's just a lot. It's just piano. Like it's really yeah. good, but it's a, it's like five or six minutes of piano. You ever think when you're listening to an album that we're doing for this podcast and think like, oh, that piano is really re- well recorded, and then you think like, there's a lot more important things in the world than how well that piano is <laughs> recorded, and what we're doing is ludicrous. Because I, oh. I, I just had that thought where I was like, it's a really good, well recorded piano, and then I was like, yeah. who cares? <laughs> well, I mean, sure, but on the it's other like hand, when you go to a brewery and you're like, oh my, like the way they do their beer is so good. It's such a good beer, and then you just like have a weird existential crisis, and you're like, who cares if they're brewing beer well? There's so many <laughs> other places to get beer. They could be focusing on world hunger, or something, you know. And you they just could kinda... also just not be here tomorrow, and I would just find a different place to drink beer. So it's exactly like, who actually cares that much, yeah. right? It, it's kind of one of those things, and it's only happened with Pink Floyd where I'm like, oh, I'm having a little bit of an existential crisis while listening to the song. And maybe that's what they were going for with this whole Sisyphus thing. Oh, man, maybe they nailed it yeah. on the head. Yeah. I think I like Pink Floyd now, Pete. That's exciting. Hey, do you only like Pink Floyd because it's your initials? Yes. Okay. How'd you know? Do you also really like the shoe PF Flyers? <laughs> yeah. Well, I only like those because they make me run faster and jump higher. Yeah, it's guaranteed. Exactly. I like him because of Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Yeah. He's pretty good, man. I like his mustache. Me too. I grew up like just wanting that mustache. You know, that. Yeah. Well, and I grew up with the same thing, but I was a huge Freddie Mercury fan, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. All right. 
do we have to listen to the rest of this or can I skip it? No, but I have to share. Somehow I was in my iTunes and went to Pink Floyd in iTunes. I'm not really sure why. I think I was looking for something maybe but got lost and clicked on. Apparently there's a new 50th anniversary remaster of Dark Side of the Moon coming out soon. And the first were the first sentence of the iTunes review is the Dark Side of the Moon is a little like puberty. Wow. Which for like one of the most classic albums of all time is a real downer of a way to start that. <laughs> it's a like puberty. Uh, you come your shorts when you're sleeping, and exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, yes, we can definitely get to Sisyphus Part Three, which is definitely my least favorite section of the Sisyphus. And who wrote the Sisyphus part again? This is Rick Wright. Yeah. I think I could have guessed that maybe. <laughs> yeah. And moving on to Sisyphus it's a whole Parkour. Thing. One, one somewhat interesting note I will throw out while we're talking about Sisyphus is that, um, or this, the part three is just that apparently he put coins in the piano to like make the clanky piano noise, which is kind of a fun idea. Yeah, it didn't turn out so well, but it is a fun idea for sure. <laughs> stop it. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Oh, wait. No, maybe that was in four. I don't know. My notes it was definitely three. You could place. hear the clankiness in three. That's kind of what I was thinking. So I'm going to take this time to um, just say, so for the Beach Boys and the Rolling Stones, and for that, it was very easy to find a trap beat. Like a yes. remix trap beat for my. Oh raps. yeah, are you gonna? Are you? Twenty seven club. I kind of made my own. Like I put the twenty seven club stuff on it. I think yeah. it will be impossible to find a Pink Floyd trap beat. It very well might be. Yeah. I'll have to hire somebody off of Fiverr. <laughs> yeah, hire the same guy who did our intro. See if he just knows <laughs> how to do it. If not, can you figure it out, please? Thank you. Yeah. Also, if you could get Herman from Herman's Herbits to, you know, hype it. Yeah, we should ask him for it. Uh, I remember liking this song. I don't. But I go, like, you know, two-thirds of the way in. Or, like, a half the way in, I mean. I'll go to that transition. Oh, it's silence for a while. Here, wait. That's Silent Night. Yeah, it is. I do like I do like that I have to say. Mm. It's fun. I have other thoughts about it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's so anticlimactic. I'm gonna make a movie that when you play it to this album, 
everything matches up and it's real crazy. That'd be fun. What kind of movie would it be? Like, what would it be about? Probably something real boring. Yeah. Interesting. Something like like getting caught in a tornado or like yeah. going into like. A it's actually going to be a remake of Twelve Angry Men. Yeah. Oh. And it's going to match up to Sisyphus or this whole. Is it going to match up to Amagama or just Sisyphus? Oh, Amagama, the whole album. album. Yeah. Okay. Nice. That's cool. That's a really good idea, PJ. I think so. I like that. Yeah. Uh, we could probably just go ahead and get to Grandchester Meadows. Yep. I remember liking this song, but if I didn't write down why I did, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> I can listen Listening to it. back, you're... Uh, yeah, what's the fucking it. point? Why are we even here, man? <laughs> Who cares? It's, if you guys are all sick of it, go fuck yourselves. Listen this to another is a goddamn whole... Pink Floyd podcast. Yeah, man. Well, no, don't go do that. Is this a if good you, attitude? If you're going to listen to another podcast, please make it. Fake bands, real music, which you can find oh, on yeah, that your podcast app. Um... No, I think, I don't know what it was about this album. Maybe we both just have existential crises, man. Yeah. Crises, I believe is the plural. It's, I mean, just like I said, it's just a really hard album to go through in the format we've done on this show in the past. Like, it's it's just really tough and to talk about And that might be a common way. theme with Pink Floyd. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough, like, especially, I mean, I'm even thinking now, like, forward to Dark Side of the Moon, where it's, like, a lot of those songs are kind of linear, like, they don't have a verse-chorus structure, where it's going to be kind of tough to, like, I don't know, parts of it are going to be kind of tough. Um, this song's fucking gorgeous. I really like the guitar on it, yeah. So, like, this is another Roger Waters composition, which he wrote all those songs on more we loved, so, like, that makes a lot of sense. It's but also interesting to hear those songs, but then with him singing, because his voice yeah. is good. It's almost as good as Davies, I would say. It's good. I wish, I wish there wasn't so much reverb or echo or whatever they were recording their voices with. I know it's like a Pink Floyd staple that they like kind of get out of. I think in the early to mid seventies. Well, and I think it was just a a thing of the time, you know. But the guitar on it is yeah. gorgeous. It did not have to have one minute and 12 seconds of bird chirping, though. No. They could have cut that. I do weirdly like the bird chirping. Fine with it the rest of the song. Yeah, yeah. It didn't need one minute and 12 seconds of just birds chirping. No. They could cut this down. This could have been a single album. Yes. But it is a beautiful song. I wish it was produced and recorded differently, though. Yes. But it is amazing. And then I'm also just really impressed at how good the uh, guitar work is, mostly just because I don't think of Roger as being that great of a guitar player. But he played all the guitars on this, and it's really well done. They're so fucking British, dude. Oh, yeah. Yes, well, this is apparently his, like, favorite small town outside Cambridge or something, so. They'd go lay on the grass next to the river and play guitar like the little hippies they were. What happened, man? (laughs) It's like, uh... Uh, Mike Love doing transcendental meditation. It's like, yes. what happened to you, guy? Okay, let's go ahead and get to 
Several species of small furry animals gathered together in a cave and grooving with a pict. Guys, calm down with the fucking names. It's every single one of them, too. They all named it something stupid. I think it's fun. Also, apparently a pict is a, like, Scottish tribe from, like, before Scotland was colonized, or not colonized, but, like, civilized, like, ancient times is what I'm trying to say. Um... Which is kind of interesting, and also explains the weird Scottish ranting at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, where he goes, you can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat. Yeah. So I kind of fucking love this song. I mean, it's not like a good song, but it's I love that it exists. I guess I'll say that. Um, it's all like, you know, some of it's pre-recorded animal noises, but then also a bunch of noises that Roger just makes. And then, like, him, you know, patting on his knees and stuff. And, like, I just really, I like it. That noise, whatever that, is that patting, him patting on his knees? Yeah. It sounds like when you get your phone too close to, like, a recording thing. And it makes that weird, <laughs> yeah. like, cellular interference noise. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like this one. I think this is great. Although, so I did listen to this album, High. Uh, this might be the first Pink Floyd album that I've listened to. High. Not ever, but uh, for this recording. Um, while I was like going to sleep one day, I put this on as kind of some bedtime music. And this song was actually a little too much for me, High. It was like a little too kind of weird and intense. But I like it. It's just a lot. I hate it. I said I didn't like it a second ago. Changing my mind. I hate it. You can this sounds like money kind of like in the you know what I mean? Yeah. True. Uh let's go ahead and skip more to the end so that we can hear the Scottish ranting. Oh, the end, sorry. Yeah, like two thirds of the way through so that we can hear his weird Scottish voice. Can you imagine if this album came out today? <laughs> yeah, people would probably love it. I would. I think the opposite would happen, personally. What? That's crazy, PJ. I don't even understand. That. Sometimes this is some really out of pocket shit, Peter. <laughs> Um, all right, let's go ahead and get to The Narrow Way, parts one through three. Okay. And so the last one Roger wrote, correct? Yeah, so now we're on to Davy Gilmore's section. Beautiful. Yes. Oh, yeah. And how long of an intro was that? It's about nine seconds. <laughs> I think I'm yeah, just right? a fan you of David your, Gilmore, you maybe. You keep your weird noises. Yeah. To a minimum. See, what's interesting about this is that I do feel like we get a little bit, you know, I mean, it's stating the obvious, but we do get like a little bit of their personality in each yeah. section. And so it is kind of interesting to see and to see who we identify with. Cause like, I see some, like weirdly Rogers is probably for me the best overall. Hmm. Um, like I, you know, he only has the two songs, which helps, but like, I think his is yeah my favorite overall. So it's interesting. I think so far, this is the best song on the album. 
Well, so far. I said so far. Well, PJ, but just so far. Don't jump the gun. There's more coming. Well. Wait, are you saying this is the best Pink Floyd song you've heard so far? Or I'm just confused. This is the best Pink Floyd song. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) (laughs) Better than money, better than another brick in the wall. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I mean, I guess. Hey, look, PJ, if you really feel that way, that's okay, man. Uh, this is really excellent, of course. I would say. It's very good. The guitar on it is amazing, and it's David Gilmour, so of course it's good. Yeah. Um, the the wailing on it is a little Led Zeppelin-y for me, which I like. Yeah, it does kind of have that vibe. You're right. Like House of the Holy, like yeah, that era, you know. The guitar on it also is kind of House of the Holy. Yeah. Man. I love Led Zeppelin. We should be doing a podcast about them. <laughs> oh, you think so? All right, I'm going to skip to the narrow way part two. Yes. And this is like a spooky Dracula movie. Yes. Watch out for Dracula. He's gonna get you. I think this riff happens for way too long into the song. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think this song's very good, personally. I'm not a huge fan of this one. I don't think it's good either. However, I do think it's better than any of the Roger Waters parts. I really think that. Um... So I'm going to skip to the part three. Yes. It sounds like bagpipes if you didn't. Uh... Oh. Yeah. What the hell is that song? I don't know. It's called Scotland the Brave. Oh, I liked this, like, parts of this one. Oh, yeah, no, I think... Oh, I thought you were joking earlier, because I think this is clearly the best song on that No, I think it's good. What I was joking about is that every intro on this goddamn album is far too long. Like, the Beach Boys knew... beautiful. It is a great song. When it gets into the song, I love it. Um, Yeah. 
I just the intros, man. Even the Beach Boys knew when to cut it off at the right time. <laughs> no, this is great. This is going. No, I know, but it was the the intro was long. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um. So. This one, I think, so far is my favorite on the album. Yeah. Um, I think hands down, I think it is. Oh, yeah. This is like one of the better Pink Floyd songs that I think they've released so far. I would agree. Yeah. Like, I think this is easily a top five Pink Floyd song as of 1969. And the other four are probably off more. <laughs> yeah. And maybe something off. Yeah, I mean gotta be i'm just i'm just going off the top of my head but it's not it's not not bad i'll say that <laughs> yeah this song's just gorgeous the guitar is really beautiful the lyrics are great the melody's great like, there's just and, and it, it sounds well. like i mean this is yeah i guess we'll keep saying they're high watermark but i mean it sounds like it could be off dark side a little bit like, yeah absolutely it absolutely is like oh i see like this band is this this is this band um, you know i think really i like impressive. it when uh when Roger takes the reins, or no, when David Gilmore takes the reins. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. And I think I like David's voice the best yeah I would say I do too yeah this part rules it's so good oh man just like more I feel like it just it like almost doesn't deserve to be as good as it is but it's so fantastic this song has no right being part three of a song and also being on this album yeah, right. Like this is I know. We really probably should do a like little best of like we have in the past for this era of Pink Floyd because there's a lot of this where it's like there's one perfect song on an album and then less later. Ooh, like yeah. So this instrumental section is very good. It's very David Gilmore. Yes it is. Sloppy drum fill from Nick Mason. Yeah. Uh, that's because it's David playing his own drums. Oh, yeah, no, that makes more sense. So wait, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. None of them played on anybody's parts. No, I think the only crossover was the producer Norman Smith played on some of Rick's stuff. But yeah, none of them played on their, each other's. So parts. Nick had to figure out how to just do stuff as yeah the well i mean we'll get to grand vizier's garden party there's i think a reason why it's as shitty as it is personally that makes sense so let's get to it now oh uh, this is his wife again whose name i, I forget say, i'm not trying yeah to. i was gonna say he's, he's a not playing the fucking own right but yeah <laughs> in her own right 
Oh no, that wasn't. Never mind. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Oh, Nothing. not Rick Wright. That would be yeah, really funny. That's what I, I thought Wright's it was a wife. good joke, yes. but it's Nick Mason, not Rick Wright. It would be a fantastic joke if that was. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm not, I was like, you nailed it on that one. <laughs> Bro, you nailed it. Just a flute instrumental. He didn't even play on this. He just said, no. hey, wife. He can't even take credit. Yeah. Oh, never mind. There he is. Now is when the guy jumps off the diving board. <laughs> fuck you, Nick. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Oh. Did they all really have to do part one, part two, part three? Couldn't they have just been like, I'm going to write three good songs? No, I think at this point it's just in their fucking DNA. They don't know how to not do this shit. Yeah. Yeah, this ain't it for me, dog. This ain't it. No, this is really pretty bad, actually, I would say. But um, mm-hmm. the, the worst of the four. Yes. By far, I think. Let's go ahead and get to the next track. Let's get to part three, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, more flute. Mm-hmm, yeah, a flute. Um, what do you call it? A flute reprise. I do like that his portion is the shortest also true me too which it that was probably on that was probably on purpose yeah i think he didn't want to do much which he's at least got the sense to do that yeah and who came up with this idea to do him in four parts uh rick did okay yeah little ricky it's funny that nick wasn't like um so no help guys right none (laughs) yeah are you are you sure? Like, I mean, we don't have to do it that way, right? Like, you can't lay down a quick baseline for me, Rick. Or yeah, I guess I'll get my wife. All right, well, PJ. What are your thoughts on Uma Guma? Fuck that. Wait, are we done yet? Is that the end of it? That's the end <laughs> of it. Yeah. Know. Okay. Um, fuck this album. Two songs oh, really? are good. Um, all of the live stuff we've heard before, or it's not very good. Sisyphus can, is bad. Um. Let's see. Uh, and then Roger Waters' parts, did not care for them. However, Dave Gilmore stuff, kind of into it. And yeah. then Nick Mason's stuff is absolute trash. It is the worst. Um, and so I think, you know, this is an album in five parts. Uh, and so one, so 20% of it, right? Is my math correct there? Yeah. Uh, 20% of it is... Okay, two of those songs of the twenty percent, great. Um, for me, it gets. Oh, we're not going to ratings yet, but no, this. Oh, you can you can jump to it if you want. It's a t- two out of ten at most. Yeah. Um, because there are two good songs on it, and it is a sixteen-song album. <laughs> um, the the only the truly the only good parts are the narrow way part one and the narrow way part three. Yeah. Um. And the rest of it, I will never listen to again. I can guarantee that. Um, particularly as an album, like holy shit, this was bad. Yeah. I. 
I hate that this comes up sometimes. Like I am familiar with the album name Amagama, and I hate that. I know that it's this now. I know. I always, and the thing is, is that just like casual stuff that I'd read online or hear from other music people, I kind of thought this was supposed to be a really good one. I thought and it I was probably, too. Probably people had been referencing my guess would be the live album. Like, I think that's kind of agreed upon to be really good. Which it wasn't. And so, like, despite, you know, what we think about it. Yeah. And so, um, that probably, what am I trying to say? That probably is why. But um, it is like, yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot different. You know, this I did expected. come out in October of 1969. So maybe they were going for the, like, Halloween spooky sales. But even <laughs> yeah, then. probably. Yeah, did not like this album except for those two songs. And that's the only reason. I don't think we've no. done a zero out of ten. I don't think we are allowed to as far as I know. No, I don't um, think we are allowed to. So the only reason it doesn't get a one out of ten is because of those two David Gilmore songs. Yeah. Well. Wait, so it's not getting a, it's getting a two? I'm confused, it's getting, sorry. It's a two. That's what it's I'm saying. Two. Okay. Um, because if, if zero was the lowest we could go, it'd be a one. But since one is the lowest, it does have two redeeming qualities. So I'm yeah. giving it a two. It's yeah. get, it gets bumped up from one. I mean, if if I had to, like, I know we're rating it as an album, but I think because I like two of them, I'm going up a little bit. But as an album, it's absolute garbage. It's a garbage album. Nobody, uh, ought to, Damn, like... Dude. Sonically, it's a nightmare. This shit. I hated it, except for those two songs, which are yeah. pretty good, and they're great. I will say, so far, some of my favorite Pink Floyd songs, um, just those two, and so yeah. that's why it gets a two, not a one. So, what about you, Pete? Damn. Well, I also was disappointed but not quite as much i think the live stuff the live stuff i was disappointed in but for kind of different reasons like more like i was talking about not that i think it's bad i think it's, it's all just the same pretty good it's just yeah it's too similar honestly like it's just not that different than the studio stuff and as we've talked about many times before a lot of my problem with live recordings and live albums is that they aren't different enough or that they're worse or, you know, and so like, and especially Pink Floyd, I would like to hear like, well, okay. Like they kind of did all their long songs and they just did like normal long versions, but it's like, how about you give us one of the shorter songs that you jam on live or whatever instead of, yeah, I don't know. So that kind of bothered me. And I think it's good. Like, again, like I said, like I got pretty into it the most recent time I listened to it, but you know, will I go back to these? I don't think so. Like, careful with that axe, I think I will. Because, you know, I don't have that on a different album. But the other three, I think I do like the album versions better. I mean, at the very least, even if the versions are... I don't think this is true. But even if the versions are slightly worse versions, they're so much better recorded on the actual album. So i yeah, just rather absolutely. listen to that. Because um, there's not enough difference or enough interesting stuff happening on the live versions for me. Yeah. And then, yeah, the long album. I I tried really hard on this one, actually. Um, just because I really, really, really didn't like it at first. And it was just a lot of music with no lyrics or, like, mm -hmm. not a lot of melody, which is tough for me. And so I maybe I'm trying too hard. I think it's not that bad. Like, I think 
two of the four parts of Sisyphus are good. I think both of Roger Waters' songs are really good. And then I think mm. The Narrow Way is good. And then Grand Vizier, thankfully, is just at the end, so you can just stop the album early. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. I kind of do agree with you that, you know, I'm not probably going to ever listen to this album as a whole again. Although, it'd be bizarre maybe, if you did. Maybe I would put it on if I was trying to take a nap <laughs> and I wanted something <laughs> to listen to. It's honestly possible. What I was actually, I was going to say something about that earlier and it slipped my mind, which is the only other music I generally do that with is classical music. And Pink Floyd, at least Saucerful and Umagama, excuse me, so far kind of are like similar to classical albums um, in that they don't repeat a lot of melody. It's a lot of linear music. It's not like, you know, it's first chorus, first stuff. It's a little bit more boring. It's very instrumental. Um, and so, yeah, in that way it kind of works for me in a similar way to classical music actually. And like helps a little bit to listen to, um, in that way too. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this is that bad, but it's definitely not nearly as good as I wanted it to be. So I think I'm probably going to go five out of 10. That is crazy to me. I'm not going to debate you pretty because it's your score. (laughs) It's not a positive. I think this is my first non positive review. Like five. over, over, like five being middle, below five being negative, over five being positive. Yeah, five is crazy to me, but that's okay. Yeah. I, I just sonically did not enjoy this album. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get it. And you know what's, it's kind of weird actually because they're. This album, and then I hadn't done a lot of, like, reading just because I kind of wanted to discover on my own, but this album and then the next two are not controversial, but they're they're not beloved in a way. Like, when I was into, like, the 70s Pink Floyd, you know, getting into Wish You Were Here and Animals and Dark Side and stuff, right? I All knew stuff. stuff like Adam Hartmother and Umagumma weren't as popular, but I always thought it was like, yeah, but if you're a f- Pink Floyd fan, you like you're like into it. It's just not the ones that like casuals gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Casual normies. Yeah, exactly. And so, what's interesting, I guess, getting more into this is that it's like I don't. I think even Umagumma is like hit or miss among Pink Floyd fans, and so, and I think the next couple are kind of like that. So. Basically, what I'm trying to say, PJ, is that I did not realize that this might be such a rough hang for so long. <laughs> I really thought that, yeah. like, these were classic albums that I just hadn't quite gotten into yet, you know? And so, all the Pink Floyd fans can write us angry notes if we're wrong, but I think there's a chance we will not like their music for a little bit because the only album that I oh, know Peter, for a fact is there a chance? Like, is there a chance we won't like their music for a while? It's crazy. The, the only album I know for a fact you'll like, aside from more is not tell right before dark side. So obscured by clouds. Yeah. Which I can, I can basically guarantee I'm going to say it right now and I won't remember to look it back up before that episode, but I'm going to say right now you give it a seven out of 10. I'll write it down somewhere. Okay. I can write it in my notes too. (laughs) There you go. That's a better obscured by cloud. PJ will rate seven out of 10. Potentially higher, but I think I'm just not remembering. So you're just going at least seven like. out of ten. At least. No, I'm gonna stick with seven out of ten because I okay. do. I think there's a couple instrumentals that you won't like. 
Okay. From my memory, if memory serves. Yeah. So, anyway, that has been Pink Floyd Fellas. Uh, and our <laughs> our thoughts, I guess you could call it, on Umagama. Thanks for yeah. joining us on this journey. It's, uh, you know, the first and I think only double... Oh no no no! The Wall, obviously. Yeah, the it's wall. the but it's the only Pink Floyd double Pink Floyd album until The Wall, which is pretty crazy. Hmm. So, I guess uh, that's fun. Yeah. Fun fact. And Pete, I'll see you on the other side of that rainbow. And I'll see you next time on the other side of that rainbow. A Beach Boys Boys production.